I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. Shame on them. They stand on the wrong side of history at this very moment. Welcome to the Ankler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here at the Ankler on Friday, July 14th here in Los Angeles. Joined, of course, by Elaine Lowe, as always. Elaine, do I sound thinner in LA or uh, is it just as usual? You do. I can hear the kale in you. <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> uh, we have uh, a Janice Min joining us, who I believe is the leader of the Federal Mediation and Conciliation Service. Janice, do I have that right? <laughs> I'm taking a break from uh, my mediation duties to to join you. <laughs> Janice, of course, our fearless leader, CEO here at the Eggler. Uh, back on the pod. Nice to have you, Janice. Good morning. Nice to see you. Um, do the feds stay in town? I've heard nothing on this, Elaine. Uh, what happened to this federal service? Did they go back to D.C. or do they keep at, at what? What do they do? Do they, you know, does the Four Seasons yeah. Reservation get extended or what? <laughs> That's a fine question. They came in at the 11th hour, right? Like, on Wednesday to come in ostensibly to help smooth along these SAG after AMPTP talks, yeah. and then just didn't hear about them again because <laughs> now now we're on strike. I now we've got ourselves a double strike. So I guess they've the had job. to go home. Yeah, the FMC. That was like on. the most exciting assignment you could get if you're a bureaucrat <laughs> in DC. I get to go to LA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's the plum the plum job there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but first, of course, where we can follow the Ankler on all social on all social platforms at the Ankler and uh, subscribe to the Ankler at theankler.com for the full suite of newsletters and podcasts. Very busy week over there. A lot to check out. And of course, for all of the latest on the uh, the strike strikes plural. Now uh, you can sign up for the Ankler Strike Geist newsletter, totally free at strikegeist.com. Uh, get all things strike related including Elaine's daily evening newsletter, which uh, will now be twice as long, Elaine, I guess. Is that, is that what's going to happen now? Yeah, what do we call it now? Is it Strike Geist? Strikes strike, Geist? Strikes the Geist? Yeah, that? Janice, what do yeah. we do here? Uh, I, wow, we have to think We have to think about that. We're, we're creating a Strike Geist <laughs> multiverse, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's a week where uh, CAA selling itself is a smallest story, Janice. Who would have thought? Oh, my God. I Right? Like, so, you know, there just so the audience knows, yes, like course, almost right. every morning I, I eyeball Sean's newsletter before it goes out. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what? Like, uh, the, <laughs> like CAA is selling to potentially selling to Selma Hayek's husband. I mean, yeah. that like it's whatever the whole cliche about bingo card, you know, who would have had right. like, yeah, that. But I don't know. Can we just unwind, though, to. We're taping on Friday. Can we unwind to yesterday morning, though, where everybody woke up to like, you know, well, Elaine didn't wake up. She was already awake. Um, <laughs> Elaine slept then, for two hours. Um, wait, Elaine, can you just describe how you set your alarm to wait for the um, the, the end of the negotiations? Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, well, first, it actually rewind back a, a day further because I was in Chicago uh, ostensibly uh, on vacation with my family for a couple of days. 
Uh And and then like frantically was like, oh, no, I don't think the flight I I was going to take out back to L.A. on Wednesday morning was early enough because there was an extreme weather warning in Chicago. So I decided to take an earlier standby flight out at 630 a.m., which is 430 a.m. Pacific time here, which meant that I was up since 230 a.m. Pacific um, flying out, which was lucky because there was a tornado that then landed near O'Hare Airport hours after I left. Uh, so then oh anyway, <laughs> came back here uh, and then that night uh, decided to nap for two hours, woke up at 11.50 p.m. and then set my kept hitting the snooze button every nine minutes waiting for this strike or deal news to come in. And then it did at 1 a.m., wrote that up, sent out our emergency newsletter, and then slept from 2 a.m. to 3.30 a.m. because uh, CNN ostensibly wanted uh, me to come on for a moment and then got bumped. So then I went back to sleep between 5.30 and 6.30 a.m. and woke up for three other media hits before 9 a.m. and then went to the SAG press conference yesterday at noon. So (laughs) that was was my uh, last 48 hours, if anyone cares to hear. You look very refreshed, I I have to say, for someone who who has not gotten really any sleep um it's because so i passed right out it's her ai avatar we're seeing right yeah exactly now, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we 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 paid elaine her um her one day one day background salary. actor fee yeah exactly <laughs> yeah and then and now we're just re- replicating her over and over again read your, read your contract elaine read your contract <laughs> wait but but elaine can you just walk us through like yesterday morning like the, all of it, the perfect storm of this, where Bob Iger's contract, the announcement of its extension happens the day before the SAG deadline hits. And then we wake up to this interview. And can you just talk about what he said in that interview? I mean, Rashawn wrote about it in the wake up. But can you just tell us how what you what stood out to you and what the reaction was? Yeah, absolutely. And okay, so we have this clip, right? And uh, that we'll play for everyone. And it's it's Bob Iger in Sun Valley with all his other CEO mogul compatriots. And, billionaire summer camp. Yes, billionaire summer camp. Uh, and essentially says that the things that the folks are striking for are are what quote unrealistic, um, and that it's disturbing. And it, to me, it sounded like the a very un iger like thing to say sounded chapek-esque like mm. with the whole scarlett johansson thing like remember how it was inconsiderate of scarlett johansson to ask for more money during covid and and let's let's put it let's put it in his own words here take a listen for yourself well i think it's very disturbing to me i you know we've talked about uh, disruptive forces on this business and all the challenges that we're facing and the recovery from covid which is ongoing it's not completely back this is the worst time in the world to add to that disruption. Uh, I understand uh, any, any labor organization's desire to um, work on the behalf, behalf of its members to get you know, the most compensation, to be compensated fairly based on the value that they deliver. We managed as an industry to negotiate a very good deal with the Directors Guild that reflects the value that the directors contribute to this great business. We wanted to do the same thing with the writers, and we'd like to do the same thing with the actors. There's a level of expectation that they have that is just not realistic. And they are adding to a set of challenges that this business is already facing that is, quite frankly, very disruptive. So they're not being realistic? No, they're not. How dare they? (laughs) Could I just note that he could have just gone out on top, right? Like, 
most beloved figure in this entire industry mm-hmm. that even when folks like Zaslav or Chapek were getting so much heat that everybody was still like, maybe Iger will come in and save us. Like even even on Wednesday, right? Like before the end of the, the before SAG and the AMPTP did not come to a deal decidedly, people were like, maybe Iger can come in and talk some sense into all these other CEOs was still kind of the vibe that I got. Well, he's known as being talent friendly, right? Mm-hmm. Supposedly. Yeah. I mean, did Tom Brady teach us nothing? I mean, what's up with the state of Florida? Like, you know, first Tom Brady comes back. I mean, just like, just like, dude, just go, go enjoy your life. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> you don't need this man. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So Elaine, what was the reaction from, you, you talked to so many actors, writers, you know, people who are now striking. What was their reaction to that? The sense is that it was, kind of tone deaf in light of what's happening right you have the writers who are today as of today on day 74 of their strike mm-hmm. and day one officially i guess of the sag after strike and the thing i keep hearing is i don't have i can't have a sustainable wage right like i mean yes like be- being in hollywood is an uh, is, is a is a an a unstable career by definition but at some point in time it was possible to make an equitable wage uh, and live in and work in LA. And so many people have told me that's just not possible anymore. And it used to be. And so, the, you know, I think there's also just this element of of wealth inequity that's come up um, when you talk to folks about how just like un, unsustainable it all is. And then when you look at just, uh, uh, you know, how Wall Street reacts to these companies, the the, the fact that um, you know, a lot of these companies for a long time were bringing in in record profits. Um, it just looks like it's it's a very jarring thing to be a working person in this town and see, and then to come in and see Iger's remarks in Sun Valley. Well, I think that these social media comments um, about Bob Iger's comments were really pointed, and I think yeah. it, it also reveals something about like you know there. I think there were t- there have been times where people would not come out and say something about Iger because you just because he was so respected, feared that you wouldn't untouchable. say that untouchable. Yeah. And you had um, uh, Sean. You included in the wake up this morning. What you know, <laughs> David, David Simon, Simon <laughs> used. I mean, he what did he he used the f word, right? It's a, yeah, it's a fuck Bob Iger essentially. Uh, some, the direct quote was but that that was I think I think that was a direct quote. Uh, that was the was, direct quote. <laughs> I think yeah, exactly. That was his ending ending remark uh, and quoting the great quote from the player. You know, essentially saying you know if we can only get rid of the actors, I think we'd be onto something here. You know, so which I forgot about, but I'm like that's a, I got to rewatch that movie this weekend. I'm like that this is 1992. It's like yeah. This has been going on for a long time, this strife. Well, and then I think someone said on social media, uh, he came out of retirement, Bob Iger, to make $54 million in two years. I mean, and then, you know, to to talk about what writers and actors are doing to hurt the industry. Um, You know, there there was a real disconnect. And then there was um, a Wall Street Journal story that came out, I think, um, just today, Friday, that had... I mean, it just really reflected the challenges facing Bob Iger and Disney um, and kind of the industry as a whole. But there were some details in there that were pretty, you know, harsh. Um, and, and Sean, I want to ask you about, the you, you know, putting up the TV assets for sale because they're no longer in the TV business, apparently. <laughs> as but- of yesterday, uh, yep. <laughs> Breaking news to the TV group. Um, you're not a core asset here, by the way. 
Uh, I mean, ouch. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, not uh, understandable, but like that's how you choose to break this news. Yeah. But then, you know, the Wall Street Journal, like, you know, largely pro-business, right? Has, sure. Um, he has said that they have this line in here that some at the company say he has been tone deaf in how he has embraced the spotlight as CEO. And they talk about him going to the Met Gala, sitting courtside at the Knicks and Clippers games, which whatever, they all do that. But um, that he that he's shown visitors to his office in Burbank, a model of one of his yachts. Um, and enthused about the new super yacht he is building. The boat is expected to be 30 feet longer than his first super yacht, the 180-foot Aquarius. So this is like, and I think, you know, Richard has written about that it's not necessarily fair to villainize the CEOs and how much they make, but it doesn't help. Like this kind of stuff does not help. Well, it's fine to, you know, to make what you're going to make, but you can't come out and say, you guys are the problem. You know, or that our business is still having effects from COVID and we're in and it's in trouble. And well, if the business is not doing that well, then why are you all giving yourselves raises? Like you just can't stand by that. And by the way, Janice, Iger and all the rest of these guys have to go out in front of Wall Street in two weeks and say they can't be like our business is not doing well. That's that does not go over well in earnings calls. So what which one is it, guys? Is it our trouble? You're threading a really we're doing really well. uh, There's hope ahead. You know, like it really doesn't help even your own cause. You're shooting yourself in your own foot, having to go in front of Wall Street in two weeks and have to spin some sort of different narrative unless unless they're coming out and saying having a James Dolan moment and saying our business is in essentially secular decline and we need to make changes, which I doubt anybody's gonna make that tactic, Janice. But it's even more baffling those comments, Janice. In retro, you know, in that light of that as well, and executive pay, as you just mentioned too. Well, I want to come back to the TV conversation, but Lane, just you were there in the room when when Fran Drescher spoke. Oh, right, yeah. And the emotion. Were, were you surprised by that? He was fired up. I was expecting a more sober announcement. I don't know why, but it was. And she came in, and she was fuming. She was. It, it was a very high energy speech about just the the state of working actors and um you know just how unsustainable it's come and she really went on the attack against the studios um and and said that you know as actors we're the victims here we're being victimized by this greedy entity and so it came with great sadness that we came to this crossroads but we had no choice We are the victims here. We are being victimized by a very greedy entity. She called on the studios to share the wealth because they donate without actors, without talent. Um, And it was just it was a much more assertive speech than than I expected. Um, And I think really reflective of of some of the uh, anguish uh, that the, the negotiating committee and and, you know, that the membership must be feeling. Elaine, you've been talking to someone, let's just say, intimately aware of what's going, what's been going on in the room. Yes. Um, and what, what, what can you tell us? Like, how did it come down to the wire? So, I think the big surprise, right, was a couple of weekends ago, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, which is the chief negotiator at SAG and Fran, uh, both put out this very optimistic sounding video. Right, they said the talks were extremely productive, quote unquote, and that they would come to a seminal deal and. The indication then watching that video was, oh, why would they put out this video if things weren't looking up? They're reassuring the membership that they're about to come to a deal. 
but then in the two weeks that followed, all I kept hearing was they are still so far apart in the in the room. And the core issues, like the, I mean, there were a host of issues, but the the core issues that they were really uh, rallying around is, of course, streaming residuals because the streaming economy has changed everything about the business so much in the last five to ten years, and also um, caps to their their pension and health plans. Um, and uh, for anybody who keeps track of uh, union minutia, uh, SAG-AFTRA went through a whole thing a, a few years ago, three years ago that I covered when I was still at Variety about the the turmoil their health plan was in and the the funding issues and and everything. Else going on there. Um, and then the hot button issue that I think most people are aware of, which is artificial intelligence. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, I, I was on CBS News yesterday and they were asking me like, oh, well, we know it's a big problem for the writers, but how is it a problem for the actors? And it's actually, I think, a bigger problem for the actors because the writing AI out there, it's it's something, but it's still kind of primitive if you're talking about it in the realm of screenwriting and really sort of getting nuance out of scenes or something, right? But it's there. That technology is there for actors. I think we've all seen like that one TikTok with the deep fake Tom Cruise, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, background work, you know, a crowd in a movie is yeah. not there anymore. I mean, you know, uh, rarely, I would think, you know. I mean, I've seen I've had uh, technology demonstrated to me of, of hearing Morgan Freeman's voice instead of just <laughs> nice. being dubbed over by another actor. Essentially, Morgan Freeman speaking perfect fluent Spanish or Morgan Freeman speaking, mm. yep. you know, perfect Italian. And that's all AI. That technology is here. And the contracts and the infrastructure hasn't caught up to it yet. Um, so I, I think, you know, more so than even the directors or the writers, like AI is is potentially legitimately a front burner issue for for the actors. Um, and so that's that's something else that was a sticking point there. Um, and they just could not come to it. And it came down to the wire Wednesday. They were still far apart. Uh, as Fran said yesterday in the room, she believes that the extra 12 day extension that they had from the original June 30th deadline for the three year TV theatrical contract was was, quote unquote, wasted. Um, and she even surmised that it was just so that they could continue to promote their their summer movies. You know, I guess the the Mission wow. Impossibles and the what have you to have that extra July 4th week to do it um, and still have their actors out on red carpets. Because as we know now, uh, there's going to be no publicity. There's no FYC stuff, no red carpets. Um, some folks walked off the Oppenheimer carpet uh, overseas yesterday once the news was announced of a strike. Um, the town is effectively shut down. The AMPTP released during the press conference what they offered. And was this supposed to sort of in your was this supposed to sort of be like a we'll show you how how unreasonable you are. And then Duncan was asked about it in the press conference. And how did he respond? So one thing he was asked about, and yes, I think this was supposed to be a like a little, you know, surprise during the the press conference for the MPTP to release their own talking points to say like, hey, look, these are all the, uh, uh, you know, supposedly very reasonable things we offered here. Um, you know, higher, higher residuals and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but one thing they said was we offered a groundbreaking, quote unquote, groundbreaking AI proposal uh, for actors. And what Crabtree Ireland said was this, quote unquote, groundbreaking proposal was that you could take a background actor, uh, scan them for their likeness and pay them for one day's work mm. and then use their image and likeness in perpetuity, uh, which as any working actor in town knows that's that's a that's a raw deal. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be anybody can see that's a really <laughs> bad idea. I think yeah. Uh, after, when the writers went on strike, we had that great two-column document 
that came out with the our proposals, their proposals. Yeah. And I think what the my interpretation of that AMPTP thing outside of the timing of the release was mm-hmm. like not maybe a lesson learned, but the, the WGA was way ahead of the AMPTP on that front. They were right on it the next day. It was out. Yeah. The AMPTP had like I think it was three days before they came out with the statement saying, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I thought maybe they got caught a little flat-footed on the WGA. This was a little bit of a, hey, we're not going to do that this time. Is SAG, because I, here's the thing. I still don't, you know, the the strike is on, but I don't know where the disagreements are in the WGA document. I think we all felt, you know, like laid it out pretty clear. Like they're obviously apart, but we had a pretty good sense of where they were apart. And I really, you know, outside of theoretical AI of like, what, but what was SAG asking for? We don't know. So uh, is there a sense that this may, a list may come out or, you know, it's hard to get a, a sense of the scorecard here. I feel like right now it's just how you know far apart they are other than the bombastic language, which, you know, it doesn't have a lot of specifics in it, really. I mean, on a very plain level, right? Like, yes, I would expect for us to be able to see sort of a point by point, uh, you know, point counterpoint at some point from SAG. Um, but sort of like on a very holistic level, doesn't this seem sort of like apt, right, that the day the writers go on strike. They have this meaty document, this <laughs> written <let> you... <laughs> document, and that the day SAG goes on strike, they have just this enormous performance, emotion-filled right. yes, performance yeah. of a uh, press conference that really grips everybody. It just seems... Uh, and then the DGA tracks. made the deal or whatever. Yeah, I know. It's very... <laughs> the, the personality uh, test of the uh, different uh, creative aspects. Exactly. Yeah, I know. And the editor's guild would be really short because it was cut. Yeah, just kidding. Uh, but I'm bumped. Thank you very much. Uh, but I, I think I'm, that's because people are, you know, but I'm sure you get the questions as well. Like, what's next? And I'm like, I don't know where this, what the, tell me what the playing field is. I, I it's hard for anybody to really have a, you know, how long will this last and all these questions. And I'm like, I, it's hard for me to concretely look at it without knowing because SAG made offers and, you know, the MPTP document was ostensibly. Here's what we came with, and, and the streaming numbers were not on there. Like, like what, they, what was not on that list was also telling. There was no indication of, and we offered to use Parrot Analytics or some. There was no talk of streaming data, no talk of you know bonuses for you know hits and streaming. None of that was on there, Lane. Right? Oh yeah, because the studios were all suddenly like, yeah, let's open up our books and show you exactly well, how we no, slice I mean, and dice our metrics. Look at, yeah, look at all these things <laughs> we're giving you, and it's like, yeah, right. that's you're missing a few things on there that we've heard that they were asking about that you're clearly not addressing. So, Wait, by the Sean, way. I thought Reed Hastings believed in radical transparency. <laughs> Isn't that all over his book? He's not the CEO anymore, man. That's it. He's out. <laughs> it's, all, it's all Ted and Greg now. It's Ted and Greg show. <laughs> that booklet uh, is in, in the archives of the of the Netflix uh, hallway, I think. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, more to come that i'm just wondering i'm waiting for that list and i'm like all right how do you that's how i assess like you know what is this what are we looking at here because that's what's going to happen come at least monday maybe today gets a pass but yeah you you write about these like pain points you've written about this before my favorite term my favorite 23 23 term oh my god it's it's the, like it is the motto or and, whatever and that Elaine's was. schedule was the embodiment of that this week so there yeah but okay so what are the pain how does this come conclusion like how long is this going to go on i think i think the thing that's unnerving is just they seem so far apart and there's also a level of anger that i mean there's always anger in one of in a strike mm-hmm. but it seems um, raw raw yeah, yeah. Look, i know so sean what are the pain i was gonna go say ahead, i know people don't like the term some people don't like the term hot labor summer um, but that's it really does feel like we're kind of in the crux of that. Right. It's like you you look around you, you look at the recent like 
out here, the the LAUSD uh, school workers strike. You look at the hotel, the hospitality mm. work stoppage that's going on right now. Um, yeah. It really feels like in terms of local sentiment, national sentiment, like we're having a labor moment, a very labor friendly moment. Um, and so I, I think there's, in terms of the, the, the court of public opinion, there's um, some momentum behind the writers and the actors, even though they're sort of the, it, it's harder to sympathize, right, with like Meryl Streep going on strike um, than somebody who works in the hospitality business. Uh, but it's like there's also the going theory in terms of coming back to the table that now that the whole town is shut down, it's like what choice do the studios have but to really ramp up um you know, a, a, an attempt at coming to an agreement with both parties, well, that's, both that's SAG what and surprised me about Iger's remarks is like, so this is your bread and butter. Like, yeah. who's going to, are you going to put on a puppet show, Bob Iger? Like, what, like, who's doing this for you, if not these people, right? And so, yeah. I mean, there, there is no option, play, you know, there's no plan B, if not for the actors and writers, right? It's uh, sports uh, or unscripted, you know, so what's the schedule? And, you know, the Fox released their quote unquote fall schedule this week and, you know, not a scripted thing on it. Nothing. It's all reality and animation. And uh, and that's, you know, Janice, to your question, it's, you know, so what's ahead and the pain points of it. And, you know, I, I've written about this and Richard and I have talked about it. And, you know, again, the APTP is this amorphous kind of, you know, organ orb here. And I'm like, uh, yeah, these, these, you know, Netflix's earnings call is, is next week on uh, midweek. So, We'll get the first snapshot and the rest of them are to follow. And some companies are going to Netflix should probably be, you know, relatively fine. Amazon and Apple won't talk about it as always, as even as a part of their business on their earnings calls. And then you're going to have Zaslav and you know, Backish and, uh, you know, uh, and so the Iger getting all these call uh, questions from analysts about the strike and having to talk about it. And at a certain point, you know, in your projections, I mean, the upfronts numbers were, you know, kind of trickling in minus and, you know, this amount of inventory sold was, you know, was down, not not surprisingly. Uh, the, the looking at, you know, minus 5% in ad rates going down, which I think has happened twice in the past, you know, 20 years or something wow. like that, you know, or it was, yeah, some, uh, you know, you rarely see a price go down, put it that way for ad rates, you know, uh, sports was up, you know, 5%, but sports also cost you more money over time. Um, so that. That's not a good report. You see a lot of you know uh, this kind of Q2 activity of uh, HBO selling shows to Netflix all of a sudden on June 30th, you know, before the Q2 books close. So there's just these like signs out there and we'll find out what it is. Genesis is a wait and see until the earnings calls. But you can see a narrative here where in a month, um, the, the members of the AMPTP are going to be, in my view, pretty split on where your business is at. And when you have partners, hey, it's nice to be together, but business is business. And if my stock price takes another 30% hit on an earnings call and yours isn't, hey, I have a responsibility to my company or whatever it is to make, you know, to save my fall or maybe my Q4 to try and get something back on the air, you know, whatever it might be. The, as much as Iger's trying to, you know, this comment was, you know, the, the, the TV business is not a, nor, a core asset. He still owns it. So it's still on the books and there's still a lot of revenue that comes in there. Still, again, I think, you know, at Disney, it's about maybe 40, 45% of the entertainment division's revenue comes from linear TV and the cable business. So if that's taken a hit, as much as he wants to sell it, he still owns it. And it's like, if your numbers are down, your numbers are down. You know, we saw that with, you know, with Paramount had that just dramatic drop after the, the Q1 call. And if their numbers come in, I mean, uh, you know, uh, these guys can be in a very different position in about three or four weeks. So, uh, and unfortunately, that's three or four weeks from now, and not not a week from now. So it's it's a while. 
Can you imagine a a more scrutinized likely quarter this year that will actually uh, be looked at by the public and not just like us business nerds who like to Uh, listen to the Iger talk on their quarterly call? There's definitely Um, a lot more eyes on it. Yeah. And remember, this wasn't even this is barely mentioned. You know, the Q1 calls were right after the writers were on strike. And it was, you know, maybe one question was asked on a couple of calls. Like this wasn't even really a topic. And now I'll be curious to see what Wall Street does. I mean, uh, will it be the dominant, you know, like, hey, guys, what's your plan? And then, you know, be Janice, what these people, the the studio heads need to do. And Richard talked about this in his column this week, which is great, is, you know, you need a plan. All right. You know, Iger's on CNBC this week, you know, within the interview, also talking about this and, you know, acting like he's surprised that the cable bundle's going away. It's like, guys, you've been talking about this for 10 years. It's just like, um, surprised about what? Like you all you all knew this was coming. Well, you made the point. It's, he- Sean, it's here. It's here. He, you have nothing. Sean, uh, Sean Iger was gone from the company only like yeah. how many months? Barely 10 months, maybe. You know, like, and he's like, Oh my God, did you see what happened to the cable business? I'm like, <laughs> he's quoted himself saying. This is a problem back in the mid 2010s. Like he's referenced himself saying this stuff. And I'm like, if you knew this was going to happen, you're caught here and your plan is to now sell low. You know, like this is what the plan is to get rid of it. Like I just, I just, you know, Richard's just like, these are the leaders of our business. And yeah, they, the streaming wasn't the, the, the plan was streaming, I guess, but that was never going to be, you know, so I don't know. That's sorry. These these cable and linear TV assets are like, it's like hot potato now. Like, who can oh, I? Oh, God. I mean, who wants to buy it? Well, we had the same exact conversation with CNN, CNN a month ago, right? Right. Or, you know, like, oh, CNN's going to sell. Zucker's going to sell. I'll sell to Jeff Zucker. Thank Shout out to Jerry over at Redbird saying, yeah, Jeff Zucker is not buying yeah. CNN. No, thank thank you. you very much. Yeah. As much as everybody wrote about it for two weeks. I'm like, that makes no sense. Why would they do that? Who wants to buy a linear cable network uh, outside of a private equity firm who can manage the downside and cut it to the bone like the newspaper business? It's like, yeah. People still own newspapers. You want to talk to Alden Capital? They bought the San, San Diego uh, Tribune the, 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 this yeah. week or whatever, the, the paper there in, in San Diego. You want to talk to those people about how private equity is managing their declining business? Is Sama yeah, Hayek's husband in the market for a couple of cable <laughs> channels? He, he loves uh, uh, cable TV. He's, he's getting the next call, I guarantee you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you have some money? Oh, I did $7 billion. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Have you heard of our new? Have you heard of FXX? Would you like to buy? Would you like to own it? Um. So, Elaine, I loved this link you had in Strikegeist to this Los Angeles Magazine story where this person. And I want to. I, I know you're going to start asking this question some more out on the picket when you head out later today. But, like, so anyway, this person does recipes for uh, people not making money because they're striking this summer, and one of them is mini room mini muffins. <laughs> And the other one, <laughs> David Zaslava cake. Um, oh my! <laughs> but like, like Elaine, what are you hearing? Like, how much in writers and actors, most of whom were not, we're, we've written about this in our Squeeze series, most of whom were already financially struggling. Like, what's and you know, then there was that story that you know who who knows, like if AMPTP set put out a statement saying it didn't reflect oh, right. their views. That deadline wrote saying that the plan was to starve out the writers until they lose their homes. I mean, you know, yeah. like what? But how much pain are your sources saying they're willing to take? If you talk to any of the writers, they're t- they're going to tell you, listen, we've already been doing this for more than two months. We're not going to suddenly roll over and take the first 
you know, whatever that's offered to us, we're actually going to try to fight for what we wanted because if we're already two months in, what's what's five months, what's six months? Um, and when you talk to actors, uh, I think there's also the sense for a lot of them that this isn't their necessarily a full-time thing. This isn't something that's been sustainable already. So why not stick it out? Um, and also notably, uh, this is the TV theatrical contract. So actors can actually still pursue commercial work uh, there are still oh. some pockets of like animation and commercial that and they Broadway. can do. And Broadway. Broadway, yeah. So it's not it's not like all avenues are cut off to them, but it's it's scripted, you know, TV and film work. Um and and like some kinds of off camera um, you know, like uh, voice acting narration type stuff, um, you know, stunt coordinating, all that is off the table right now. Uh, but there are still things they can do. Um and so I think it'll be interesting to see how the agencies deal with it too and mm. how what kind of opportunities are still offered to their clients um you know how everybody's still gonna stay in business for the next couple of months um but i will tell you also that this is going to prompt people out of the business probably i talked to somebody you know over a month ago who you know was an aspiring uh producer and and sort of just the ripple effect of this is he thought he was going to get a full-time job uh but then the production company had a hiring pause because of the strike the writer's strike and so he went back to substitute teaching which Mm. if you can believe it pays less than a day of being a pa uh which says something you know the education system and the way we pay so many different professions in this country so, like wow. I said, I think that all contributes to the fact that we're just having a major national labor yeah. moment. Well, I think, um, you know, uh, the podcast was off last week, but Peter Kiefer wrote that story about mm, um, the real, real to, estate, yeah. uh, real estate, being able to afford to live in Los Angeles and um, and, you know, tied it into this really important larger theme of, you know, what happens if the creative community no longer exists in Los Angeles um, because they can't afford to live here. And um, and he, he um, brought up examples of how well various writers have represented Los Angeles in, uh, in their works and what it has meant in a, in a sort of literary or film or television sense for the city. Um, but I, I didn't even realize that fact. And I could, no, I hadn't thought about it um, that writers can't even get a mortgage because of the way they're paid and um right. and banks won't loan money to you and um and so i think when like you think about this like if you catastrophize some of this and it's hard not to at certain moments like what happens if entertainment sort of what if what if la becomes you know detroit and autos and what if entertainment just diminishes in los angeles and then you know, are we I mean, Don Draper famously had that line in Mad Men after he comes back from Los Angeles, like, eh, it's Detroit with better weather. Like, I mean, <laughs> there, there could be a moment when, you know, that like what was the core one of the core industries is fully eroded. It's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. Or ask San Francisco for that matter. They're, you know, downtowns and, you know, like what happens at a certain point where, you know, becomes a, a ghost town is never a. Never a good thing for a thriving economy in a, in a major American city. So, yeah. No, and we're not even talking about, you know, and we will, and I'm sure, but like the, you know, the, the restaurants, the, right. I mean, right. the drivers, the whole, in the industry that is, um, you know, supports the, 
this industry. So it's very sensitive. It's not as resilient as yeah, it might be. It's a very uh, del- a delicate uh, ecosystem for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the estimate on the writer strike in 2007, 2008, 15 years ago was $2.1 billion hit to the local economy. You look at a double strike, which, by the way, we haven't had since 1960. Right. The ripple effect has got to be so much wider this time around. That was about a 100-day strike, and we're at what day of the writers now. So, you know, it's like it's we're getting close. To the, there's no signs that this is going to be uh... – Ending at 100 days this time, Adelaide. No. And boy, when you look at those old photos of the resolution between SAG and, you know, it was the AMP. There was a there was no T in there yet. Um, <laughs> AMPM or something like that. I can't remember. But like, it's yeah. like Ronald Reagan, president of SAG yeah. and Charlton yeah. Heston. I mean, these people who ended up becoming very right. anti-labor down the road. Right. And right. Um, but, you know, shaking hands and all smiles with the with the studios. And um, this that certainly doesn't feel like that's about to happen here. Yeah. I saw somebody tweet. I forget who it was. Uh, they said, at this rate, uh, with the trajectory of the last WGA SAG concurrent strike, uh, I think this means that Fran Drescher is on track to become president. <laughs> <laughs> but a stump speech yesterday. <laughs> yeah, she, she definitely put a good stump speech together. So, yeah. But by sure. the way, every every morning is filled with headline surprises. So nothing that would not shock me. <laughs> <laughs> what, seats, not? what seats are open? There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. Well, so Elaine, you're back out uh, on the lines. You're going out for day one here of the uh, of SAG, or what's uh, what's ahead for you here? Absolutely, it's a it's a new day one for all of us. Uh, right. I'll be back out on the pickets. Uh, Fran Drescher and uh, Duncan Crabtree Ireland and all the other SAG folks are supposed to be out there too. So I'll uh, try to 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 catch them and 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 you know see what they are thinking what's on their minds on day one and uh, how their membership is feeling because well, the weather gods have not cooperated with day one. Of- it's 90 degrees outside here it's in hot LA. Out there. Everybody it's be hotter careful in the out valley. There. Listen to the writers <laughs> for once. That's it. Listen to your writer friends and to all the tips you get out there from them. Yeah. Um, the, the the coolest weather would probably be at Fox. I'm assuming at the Fox lot, right? The, mo- the most West. Should we add Culver a weather City. report Culver City. to the, uh, Culver strike, City. Guys, the yeah. strike guys weather report? And then we yeah. can start yeah. adding in here. Temperature is much cooler here at Sony today <laughs> than up at Disney. <laughs> we have our gal i like it uh and for all of our new actor friends on the strike lines elaine how can they reach you now all these people to reach out to you uh where can they find you i've been hearing from some actors and i would love to hear from more i met elaine at the ankler.com and don't forget to subscribe at strikegeist.com and on the twitter we can tweet at you at at elaine low that's me there you go. Are you Hello. on Threads, Elaine? <laughs> I am on Threads. Okay, oh, here's, oh. My, here's my Instagram slash Threads handle. It's Elaine Low underscore XO. So come and find me on Threads, where nothing is in chronological order, and I can't seem to follow anybody I want. But that's okay. It is very confusing. <laughs> I admire the spirit, but it's very confusing. <laughs> um. Yeah, anyway, Sean. Sh- uh, Sean, I guess Tom Cruise is going to save us all with Mission Impossible. Uh, yeah. Evan. Um, this is the state of Hollywood, a 60, 61 year old actor in the seventh installment of a franchise is going to save the business this year. Exactly. I, you know, look, I think Barbie's going to upstage him. Uh, you know, these Barbie numbers keep coming in and keep going up. So, uh, okay. I would just like to say early, who was the only person who had Barbie on their like top three 
All summer right. hits list. All right, I'll write their flash. All Calling right, it a little right. early. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. yeah. Oh right. yeah. yeah, I remember those flash comments, Elaine. Yeah. Uh huh. We're gonna be playing this. <laughs> Look, we're all gonna come across great in our Labor Day podcast, uh, Labor Day weekend podcast, and we play our clips from uh, from the late day. So don't you worry about that. But yes, uh, so Tom Cruise is yeah. Um, you know, I guess the the current thinking here today on Friday morning is somewhere in the low seventy million, which is about where you know netted out. But again, you have a you know, hefty price tag there as well on the uh, production, so you got to be at you know probably near seven hundred million globally. The biggest franchise, biggest pick in the franchise, I think, was a little over eight hundred million. Again, not just for for inflation, but uh, you know. A ways to go there, so we shall see. You saw it, Sean. I did see what? it. All two oh, hours is it and good? 41 minutes of it. Uh, it which does, I say that it does move. And I didn't, and I, a friend of mine I saw the uh, the screening was like, I'm like, how, how long are these? Like two hours? Like, oh boy. But it didn't feel. I think the credits are a good 15 minutes of it uh, on that movie. <laughs> so that's one part of it. It's good. I, you know, uh, it delivers. It's exactly, it's the, what I call IRL stunts. It's what, which, what, what Top Gun Maverick was a big, a big component, I think, of the draw of that. You're not watching, you know, there's obviously some green screen stuff, but you know, Tom is doing the stuff. They found an old train that's on a CGI train on a soundstage. Like, you know, like it's just, it just it has that feel to it of just, it's just a fun ride. No AI train. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe no AI train for sure. Maybe a little bit of green screen moments, but overall, uh, Isai Morales is great. It's great to see him and a great, have him back in the franchise and he was great to see. So, you know, uh, some great performances. That was Haley Atwell, like prominently in this because yeah. I know there's two parts. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, can I just uh, tell you, I have never actually seen a single Mission Impossible movie. Uh, I hadn't seen um, like since like two or three and not that I was lost mm. in this. I mean, there's some callback stuff, which I'm sure fans will get, but I had no clue about that stuff. Elaine, and I was, you know, uh, you, you catch up. I don't <laughs> need to watch the previous six to know what's no, happening. And, I, okay. I think you'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it. Admittedly, they plan these movies around the stunts and they fill in the plot. <laughs> like that, That's their process is like, here's the set pieces. And then Macquarie goes in and connects the dot script and kind of in day, Simon Pegg was talking about this day of handing Simon Pegg the pages for the day and being like, okay, here's what you have to, you know, connect the dots. So admittedly, it's part of the fun, certainly, but don't get too far well, into I, the I think, Sean, you made, you made the point that several critics have made, like, don't try to really yeah. understand the plot because this isn't Bridge of Spies. All right. This isn't don't think about it too hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just go with it. Know what you're signing up for and you're going to have a great time. Like, you know, Cruz delivers as, you know, as always. And uh, he's, he's just having a great time out there. So well, I've never seen a single one, but I actually want to go see this one because I Haley yeah. Atwell. This Agent Carter's in it. So, oh, okay. The Marvel <laughs> connection. Okay. Yeah, exactly. she's great. I mean, that's uh, does a great job. And, you know, so uh, I would recommend that. Uh, Elaine, are you a theater camp? Were you a theater camp kid? I know Janice was not a theater camp. I, I, that, would be, that would be stunning. But you had yeah. your suspicions that I could have been a theater camp kid. I'm giving Sean. you the benefit that's of the doubt. That's a compliment. <laughs> I mean, sorry, Janice. Yeah. I just, you know, I don't know. But just, you know. <laughs> no, unfortunately, it wasn't. Although in college, I had a lot of theater friends. Um, okay, so, so you're familiar with the culture. I'm interested, so yes. Searchlight's Theater Camp is also in theaters uh, this weekend. I think, uh, oh, not not getting said. quite as much press. Not as... getting quite the press love that... Uh, and I yeah. was getting more different demo, better. different demo, but that's also in theaters. <laughs> Support the smaller films, Janice. You know, it's like, listen, everybody's saying the market, especially the marketplace, you got to go out and see this stuff. So, and Absolutely. it was it played to great crowds at uh, great reviews at, at Sundance this year. So, 
Uh, again, you can catch up on all of that uh, strikegeist.com. Again, totally free to read and subscribe. And I'll be rounding up all of that box office action in the wake up on Monday morning, um, which you can get as part of your Angler subscription at theangler.com. And you can follow us at The Angler on the socials as well. Uh, Elaine and Janice, pleasure to see you. Janice, the, the, the mic is open anytime. Come back and join us. Always nice to see you. When you're Thank not negotiating you. I hope deals. I, I hope I... Uh adequately represented Richard Rushfield's views here on the podcast. <laughs> I'm sure he'll have comments when he comes back on. But anyway, notes. yeah. Yep. Yeah, he'll have some notes. So Richard will be back uh, on the podcast soon. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next time.